Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests and receive exclusive content like a very special acoustic performance from today's guest, Morgan Johnston. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow and maybe even leave us a review while you're there. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Morgan Johnston. Now, Morgan started playing the guitar and songwriting at the age of 13, and she began performing in order to share that music. After a year of university, she decided to make the move to Nashville to chase her dreams. She recently released her single, The End, and is ramping up for the release of her debut album later this year. So please enjoy our conversation with Morgan Johnston. There's music and there's horses. Two loves of yours. Now, <laughs> did one start before the other? Or is it just as long as you can remember, they've both been there as a love within your life? I would say as long as I can remember, they've both been there. Um, I think that maybe horses were something that was a little more probably relevant because my family was so into animals and horses and dogs that, you know, I was doing it every day. But I think as I got older, I realized how much of a coping mechanism music was for me. And they kind of go hand in hand. Right. And now with the riding and with horses, tell me if this is true. At four years old, you were caught riding a pony in the nude when you were supposed to be jumping on the trampoline. Was that true? How did you find that? I like to dive deep. I am dead. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I, my parents have like a picture of me naked on a horse in the nude. Yep. Just, I have no idea what in the world is going through my little head, but I had this issue with clothing when I was young. One of them was an issue of like my socks needed to feel, or my shoes needed to feel even on both feet. Oh, okay. That was the first like really weird. And it was so annoying to the point where if they weren't even, it would like hold up the whole day of me and my mom trying oh, to like wow. get things done. And then I had same thing when you tie them on, you know, it needed to be even. And then I would want to wear the shoes on the wrong feet and I just wouldn't want to wear clothes. So I don't know. Uh, thankfully I've learned <laughs> to do that. And so I don't walk around in the nude, but um, yeah, that's a true story. Oh, wow. And so that love of horses at that young of an age, I mean, a lot of kids at three or four, I think, would be afraid of even a pony or a horse to just go jump on. So have you always been just super comfortable around animals? Yeah, I've just always been really, really connected. I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but I think that part of that just has to do with my parents being professionals and and teaching me, I have always respected animals. Um, I understand that they are dangerous. And although I'm not afraid of them, I have a healthy respect. I'm not going to go up to a dangerous horse and stand behind it. You know, yeah. I have common sense with it. But yeah, for the most part, I've never been innately afraid of, of animals at all. Right. And now your parents 
first tell me about your dad because I saw a photo when you were younger and you were both uh, you both had ropes that you were lassoes that you were spinning around and it looked like he was quite the cowboy and then I also saw on a road trip I believe at some point when you were older I think you had already moved to Nashville but you talked about him I think basically talking your ear off about Willie Nelson's story and his biography and also cranking the 1950s country tunes and so yes. just a very country man my dad is the most interesting person i have ever met and i continue to people who know him agree with me um my dad was you know to not get into all of it he's a jack of all trades and he's a wealth of knowledge he is a professional jouster and traveled with a actual jousting company where they would like go wow. and one put on entertainment shows he's been a clown like goes around to birthday parties and does tricks with dogs he's trained shits and dogs he's trained dogs for musicals he's been in like random commercials being a rodeo clown he has like done very basic things like lay carpet for years and shoe horses and train dog i can't i don't even know like how to begin with that um but we did it is kind of how I got into singing is because like my dad would my dad is a performer Uh, he's not a music he can't sing he can play some instruments but he would you know encourage me when we would go do these like fairs um he would be doing the demonstration with the dogs and he'd be like do you want to sing the national anthem like you have a chance to get in front of people which did the show need the national anthem probably not was my dad gonna add it to the show yeah of course (laughs) so that's kind of like how I think I got inspired to be a performer was through my dad. Wow. And your mom, I heard you talk about some health things that she went through recently and just talk about her and the strength of her and how she's inspired you along this whole journey. My mom is the sweetest woman ever. She's the most selfless. Like I always say, if there's one last plate of food on this earth, there's, she would not for a second think twice, but to give it to me, like she's so selfless. Um, and thankfully she's doing okay. I was like, so worried about her. I canceled my whole trip to Italy to be there with her. And I'm so thankful that she's okay. And she's healing now. Um, but my mom has been a huge rock in my life. I mean, I, as we, most of our parents are, but, um, she's a dog trainer too. She just does, um, like obedience training. So, you know, your general, um, house dog kind of thing to, you know, not bark at people and sit and lay down. And so, yeah, she was just, she's been there through it all with me and very supportive of me, very strong woman. Um, she's like 90 pounds, but she's a spitfire. So (laughs) that's awesome. And another family member that you didn't have the chance to know I saw, but has become sort of very instrumental in this musical journey for you, I believe is your great grandmother who you learned was a songwriter back in the day. And talk about what that journey has been like of discovering who she was and how it ties so closely to the journey that you've taken. Yeah, it's I'm like so fascinated by my great grandmother. Again, like you said, I've never been able to meet her, but um, my dad has talked about her because she she raised my dad, essentially. And um, he looked up to her, respected her. She, she was a spitfire and she also was like a self-proclaimed witch. And oh wow! I, 
I've talked to people like I recently talked to one of my dad's girlfriends from when he was like 18 years old. And she was like, oh, that woman was a witch. And I think it's so funny. And, you know, I don't know what you believe, but apparently my dad is a pretty realistic person and he was sold that my great grandmother was a witch and some like sketchy witch stuff happened. But other than that, she was um, a songwriter for this company called Fourth House Music and she was assigned published writer. And I didn't even know that until after I moved to Nashville, which is crazy. But she, yeah, Fourth House Music was owned by Mabel John, which was one of the Raylets for Ray Charles. And so is, I have one of the mugs actually here. I'll show you. Yeah. So this is a mug from like, I can't even tell you how old it is, but this was the publishing company that she was at. That's a picture of Mabel John. And then it says Fourth House Music and it oh, has a nice. phone number. And it says it's on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. So I have like a few fun trinkets um, and a few records from her that she's not singing on, but songs that she wrote and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's so cool. I wish that I could meet her. Um, I just am so fascinated. She never wrote anything huge or like hit the big time or anything. But I think that she would think it was really cool that I was doing this. Absolutely. And do you have like lyric sheets from her? I do. What has that meant looking through those? Has it given you inspiration as a songwriter going through those? It totally has. It's it's inspired me, maybe not in the sense of like writing, but it's more inspired me in the just the beauty of like how we, regardless of what I do with my career, we take our feelings and our emotions and and put these words together and we like make it so concrete and that stays forever. Like someday if when I'm gone, my great, great grandchildren will be able to have this like concrete thing that I did that is words. And I think that is the coolest thing. I'm so fascinated by that. I think it's so cool. That's awesome. And now this musical journey for you didn't officially start until 2016 when you moved to Nashville, but let's talk about the very beginning and sort of your first memories of when music really took hold of you because I think I saw there was a picture of you around three or four maybe sitting on the couch with a microphone a toy microphone and so back then was music something that really connected with you and the performance side of it as well yeah I think it always was I um was obsessed with Dorothy I remember watching the Wizard of Oz and Somewhere Over the Rainbow I can still like see the scene so perfectly in my head um I was super obsessed with her. And so I was her every year for seven years. And I remember that being a staple in like the first thing that I really sang a lot. Um, But I I do remember music always connecting with me at a young age. And, And even with the horses and the animals and stuff, like my dad would take me to horse shows and I would have Shania Twain blasting. So they kind of like went hand in hand and then I wrote on a drill team which I don't know if you've ever seen drill team riders but it's like a bunch of people on different horses with flags right yeah and the whole get up and they they ride in patterns and then we would always ride to music and so again music and horses were just very in sync with each other that's awesome and we have to talk about the I think at home performances with your friends Rachel and Rebecca And I saw that, I forget whose mom it was, but uh, they saw many of these performances, I believe. 
That's so funny. We used to like put on shows and we would sell tickets. We would go in the room and just write down like, this is the show, the Rebecca and Morgan. And then we would make our parents buy it for money. <laughs> and then they would, mostly Rebecca's parents, we did it at her house all the time. And her mom is Bonnie. She was so sweet to me growing up. And she would like buy the tickets to our show. And we would just put on this ridiculous, not interesting at all show. But it was apparently fun. That's hilarious. And were you starting to like sing back then? Did you know you had a voice at that age? Yeah, because I got the fourth grade solo. And I feel like that kind of made me realize like, okay, maybe I'm as good as mom and dad say, because I feel like mom and dad are always like, yeah, you're so good. You're amazing. But you do get to a certain age where you're like self-realization of like, am I good? Or did mom and dad just say it was good? Right. Um, but yeah, I got the fourth grade solo and I sang forget the name of the song honestly but it was really sweet and um yeah I have some pictures of me singing in a little pink outfit and so I think that around then is when I realized like okay I think I'm actually kind of good at this <laughs> oh, okay and when did you start playing out like when did you start hitting local venues and actually starting to play and maybe see it turning into something more yeah, when I started writing songs, I was really inspired to like play them for people and try to perform. So I would go to these local open mics with one of my best friends, Julianne, best friend Julianne, and she was just so good. She was way better than me, especially at that age. She was like light years ahead of me because I was just learning how to play guitar. So she inspired me a lot in the beginning stages of my writing and learning to play guitar because I was like, wow, she's really good. And so her parents would take us and we'd go to these little open mics and play our songs. And yeah, so I, I did try to start performing on my own, probably around 13. Okay. And Julianne, talk about her and what she's meant for this journey, because I believe she's your photographer now who does a lot of your album covers and a lot of your promo photos. It's so special. She's one of my best friends from high school. And we, she got, she actually lived here for in Nashville with me for a few months, but she, she is still with her um, high school sweetheart. They got married and stuff. So now they live in Washington oh, okay. and she started photography and does her own photography business. And her and I just kind of talked about, first of all, she's taken pictures of me, everything from for fun to senior pictures to, you know, as she's grown as a photographer and I was like, how cool would it be if she could be a part of one of my first big projects? Because that's kind of what it's all about for me. It's like working and supporting people that I love. That is my dream. I mean, to just get to support people that I love, whether that is like creatively or financially or whatever, someday, I just thought that was so fun. So yeah, she's a, she took all of the pictures, did all of the canvases. We flew out to Joshua Tree, California. Oh, wow. And it was so fun. And yeah, I'm just so thankful that she was willing to do it. That's amazing. And so you talk about friends, like going through your Instagram, like it's all about friends. It's all about the connections that you make throughout life, it feels like. And so just talk about that journey with especially like as you've moved around, gone to university, gone to Nashville, how important the friendships that you continue to have from home are and just the friendships that you continue to build through this journey as you move along, how important they become. That is so special to me that kind of as someone who I haven't met before, you, you recognize that through social media, because I do try to show up 
as authentically as I can, but people are, my people are so important to me. I don't have a big family, but most of the people who are family to me aren't even my blood. And I, I think I'm just a very, um, like people oriented person. I know we all are, but I think there's some people who are maybe more than others. And I just, my friends are like my whole world. So it has been really important to me to be able to incorporate them into music, but just like keep them in my life. And I I feel like I do try really hard to nurture relationships, um, even though I live far away from them. Right. And I heard you talk about nannying as well for Maddox and that relationship. Talk about how special that relationship is for you within this journey of being so busy in your career as a musician, but then having this other side of it and having him to sort of support you and just fulfill that side of your heart. Yeah, Maddox is one of the coolest things that has ever happened to me. Um, He has made me it's very grounding. It's very sweet. And he is his, him and his family are so supportive of me. I've worked for them for four years now coming up on it. Oh wow! And, um, they've known like the whole time that I'm pursuing this artist dream and they're very supportive. And, and, you know, when I tell his mom, like, Oh, I have this to go do. She's like, okay, go do it. Like, you know, she always tries to help me where she can. And I'm very thankful that they have allowed me to be such a big part of Maddox's life because I think that now moving forward, like if I ever get the chance to do the things I want to do and make money, I would totally support um, any sort of, you know, charity that has something to do with people with disabilities. Cause I, yeah, my life has been definitely changed. Now, when did music become something that it's like, I love this. I have to chase it. Like I have to take this chance. When did that really become something for you? So a little bit of it, I think was when I moved to Nashville, but I think that you can't really tell what you're in for yet when you first get here. Yeah. Uh, When I put out my first song, it did shockingly well. I was not ready and, and in a way, I think that because I wasn't ready for it to do so well, I wish that I had maybe had some more knowledge under my belt right. um, because I maybe would have handled the aftermath of it a little bit differently or hopped on the ball while it was rolling. Um, but I think that after that first single did so well, like things that I, I'm working towards still now, it did blew those goals out of the water, which is a little bit confusing, but I think that when I saw the response, I was like, okay, this is, I'm supposed to be doing this at some capacity. And that's the universe being like, yep, this is for you. And so ever since then is when I have completely shifted from, this is just fun and cute to like, this is, I have to chase it. And so on October 31st of 2016, I believe it was that you jumped in your car and drove, I think, 17 hours to Nashville. Now, what was your thought within that move? What goals did you have off the very beginning as you were making that drive? It's so funny because I loved that girl, whoever that girl was at that moment in time. I was super open. I didn't have any expectations for myself. I didn't have any 
competition within myself or, or with others or any sort of like box that I felt like I needed to fit into. And I was just like, I'm going to go try it. And everything felt new and exciting and very um, just thankful to be there. There was no complaints because I was just so thankful. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I am always trying to get back to that place, you know. How quickly does reality set in of what this career is and what it takes to be successful in this career? For me, it didn't because I think I came into it really humble. I was like afraid to admit to people that I wanted to be an artist. It was kind of all about building confidence for me. I was already knocked down a level. I think that people who come here who maybe are like the all that in the bag of chips and their hometown and they're getting a lot of hype already. And then they move here. I think it's a little more discouraging for people like that. Um, I happened to land right into the level of people that I needed to be around people who also just moved here, people who are also getting into learning how to co-write. So yeah, it wasn't super discouraging for me. I um, think that the discouragement actually comes along with the more success that you get, it gets harder because then you're always chasing the next thing. And then now that I've been here for five years, I mean, I have some people, friends who I moved here with that are on the radio and have number one songs on the radio. And so I think that that's where, for me, the discouragement starts to hit in because I'm like, oh, am I, you know, should I be further along or am I not where I'm supposed to be? Or, but I always come back to like, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. And I can't control that. I just got to keep doing the best that I can and move forward. Right. And you talked about releasing your debut single and the success that it had. Now, I saw you post talking about sort of the month before that release and going for coffee to talk about the plans for the release and the plans moving forward. And so around that time, was that sort of when the business of country music sort of kicked in and realizing that, yes, I have this song to release, but there's all so many things that go into it. You hit the nail on the head with that because I remember it was Allie at the time and it was a PR company I was working with and she's awesome. I still stay in touch with her, but, um, you know, we sat down and she was like, okay, do you have a Spotify for artists? And I was like, oh, what? And she was like, okay, you know, we need to do some PR. And I'm like, I don't really even know what PR is. And then she's like, well, we're going to get you to do all these things. Do you have a release plan or a rollout plan or anything? And I'm like, whoa, this is all way over my head. I just wrote a song. That's all I know. And she was like, okay, come sit down. I'm going to help you. And so she did. And she got me on. Now I'm so involved in that, that I make my own rollout plans. I'm in charge of all my own artists, um, Spotify for artists. I do all of the distribution through a private distribution company. I am involved in all my social media. I'm like reaching out to platforms and Craig has been a huge help, but it's just so funny because you have to start there because you don't know until you learn. So how did you learn? I mean, that's a lot of information to take in that whole business side of the industry. And so was it, is it a still a continuing process or do you sort of have that mind where it was easy to sort of pick that up and put it into place and roll with it along the way? I think it's still, of course, a learning process, but because I've done it for so many songs now and I've been like boots on the ground in the middle of it, 
it feels easier to learn because I've been doing it. I think that if I was like watching from afar and then had to do it myself, it would be a little bit harder, but it takes some like messing up. And, you know, I've had friends, I bounce things off friends all the time. You know, I also have some people in PR or managers that they may not be my manager, but I know I can ask them. So it's still a learning curve. Um, but I think each level has their, you know, goals. And so right now I kind of really know how to capture this part, uh, for my goals now. But I think that if it was like an, a level up, I would be lost puppy again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I saw recently you had posted that you have, or I guess it was last year, August of last year, you had seven songs released with no label, uh, no manager, no money, and you had hit 1 million streams. And now how exciting is that to hit those milestones as an independent artist, as someone who's doing it themselves to hit those milestones along the way? It is so exciting. And I have learned to celebrate all of those, you know, maybe some people think that's a huge success, but there are some people who think that's a small success. And I've just learned that I celebrate everything and I don't care if it's silly because I can't, I can't, you can't keep your morale up enough if you don't celebrate because it is extremely hard and the business is so connected to who I am as a person that I'm always like having to separate my own worth from my music because I do know that they're they're intertwined to an extent but I need to know that like regardless of if I ever make it in music, if I just do nothing, I'm still a good person. I'm good to other people. I'm worthy of a good, happy life and I can be happy. And so I think that is one of the things that as I've gotten more time here under my belt, as I'm learning that it is very important, um, to celebrate those things, to keep my morale up, or you just start to get really hard on yourself. And I'm really trying to separate those two things. Right. And I heard you talk in the last interview that success is just being happy with where you are and happy with what you're doing in life. And now within this career, is that a difficult mindset to keep of being happy where you are, but thinking, well, this is the next thing and that's the next thing and that's the next thing? Yeah, 100%. Because by the time that you achieve a goal that you've worked really, you probably have been working at that goal for a year or two years, you achieve it. And then you're like, okay, well the next thing, and you don't even sit or appreciate in the first thing that you just did. And so I think that it can be a trap a little bit, um, which is why I always try to do things outside of music too, that just remind me like, Hey, I'm a happy person. Doesn't, you don't, you know, doesn't matter. So Right. And I saw you post at one point, it was from a instructor at Boston University, I think. And he talked about sort of people going into the medical field and maybe the importance they place on themselves, you know, when they go into the operating room and they're saving a life. But then he also said about a musician, someday at 8 p.m., someone is going to walk into your concert hall and bring you a mind that is confused a heart that is overwhelmed, a soul that is weary. Whether they go out whole again will depend partly on how well you do your craft. And so when you think about something like that, like how does that make you feel in thinking about how your music, now that you've released more, is affecting people? It's so special. I mean, that is exa- I love that quote so much. You must have really done some digging to find that. 
I you did. did. <laughs> I love that, that whole thing. And, um, I think there's, you know, the art is so it's, I feel like it's very appreciated now, but sometimes underappreciated as far as like, Oh, you need to go be a doctor and do all these things. And no, that post hit it perfectly that music is healing and it's there to show up for people. Sometimes I I get to say the words for people that they, they felt, but they didn't know how to say it. Or um, recently I wrote a song about somebody that I had lost back in October and I played it at a show and they, a family came up to me after and they had just lost their father and they were like sobbing and they're, they were just like, you have no idea how special that was for us to hear and how much that meant to us and how like healing it was that we can go home and listen to it. And that for me was like, that's exactly why I do this. That There is no other feeling in the world. Like when I can share a little piece of me and it makes two complete strangers just become like all the walls fall down and they start spilling their life story to you. And I'm like, how cool is this? Like most of the time we walk by each other and don't talk or just, we have no human connection, but music makes people be connected. And I think that's so cool. That's awesome. And as a songwriter, you began at 13 and then you moved to Nashville and you've been writing ever since. And so how have you grown as a writer when you look back at yourself at 13 and how you started and then where you were at when you arrived in Nashville back in 2016 and how much you've grown since then? What has that songwriting journey been like for you? Well, when I was 13, I was really bad. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. Um, I had gotten better on my own, just learning how to, you know, make everything sound good. But I don't think that I really understood the formula or formulas that there are that make hit songs. And I think when I moved to Nashville, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about like rhyme schemes and um, saying things unique was super important. Like all these things that sound kind of silly, it's very, very relevant. Um, I didn't know how to play half the chords that I know how to play now. And so a lot of the people around me and just writing with people who are better than me has just totally brought me to the next level. And, um, now I think I have a way better grasp on like, how a song should make you feel and that there's a beginning and a middle and an end and it has to make sense. Um, so yeah, I think I've gotten strong. I hope that I've gotten stronger in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you were able to go home to play the Cape Cod Melody Tent with Dustin Lynch last year. Now, what was that experience like of just being able to go home and play for friends and family and have that experience and just kind of see how far you had come. Truthfully, I think that was one of the best weekends of my life. Um, I have been since and everyone's always like, what's your dream venue? And it's this tiny ass little venue called Cape Cod Melody Tent on the Cape. But I didn't care because I grew up, you know, going to these, this tent and it held memories and and lots of songs and people that I looked up to and artists that I loved um and I was like I just want to play there I want to know what it, and the, the stage rotates in a circle oh, and wow. so I always thought that was so cool I wanted to be on that stage so when they gave me the opportunity to open for Dustin there I was 
completely humbled and so grateful. And I mean, I was just saying thank you to the guy selling smoothies at down, like at the, that the little shop, I was like, so excited to just be there. And, um, then when Dustin asked me to come up and sing with him, I think that was just like the cherry on top because I was not expecting that. Um, but I thought that was the coolest thing. And I'm just, it was a really, really great opportunity. That's amazing. And talking about local venues, I was going to ask you about karaoke nights at the Taverna, the Sandwich Taverna, I think. Yes. Wow. Um, Well, so the Taverna, I would like, I grew up kind of going to karaoke there. I mean, I, when I was a little bit older, but I would also play open mics there. Um, They would have a guy come in and just host these open mic nights. And I would go in with my guitar and and sing. That's where I was talking about earlier uh, with Julianne. So yeah, that's a staple. I still go back there and sing karaoke. <laughs> so how cool is that when you go back to say that little bar in your hometown and you think about the girl who was performing open mics there and now the artist you are today, what journey does that take you on? I think it's so cool. I mean, we kind of go back to the part of it being hard to celebrate. I'm like, oh, what have I really done? to be like whoa back when back in the day I'm like I still feel like I'm trying to figure it out so I think I go there and I'm not like wow I hit the big time I'm just kind of like that's cool (laughs) I used to come here and play but maybe someday when I'm playing big stages I'll feel differently or maybe I'll just still feel the same way right and now the end is your newest single And I heard you talk about sort of it's the first love song that you've put out. And so within that mindset of knowing what you want to say, how important is this song for just the evolution of yourself as an artist? I think it's huge. I mean, it's the first love song that I've ever released. And I think I was pegged in town as a like kind of a sad girl songwriter, not a sad girl, but my songs were sad. And that was hard because I'm actually a very happy, fun, witty, and like kind of sassy person sometimes. And I don't think that I was able to portray that through my music at the time. I was only able to channel this like sad and I was good at it, but I I wanted to be able to change things up and, and show different parts of my personality through music. And one of them is that I love love. And another thing is that I'm like, funny sometimes and I don't want to just be sad so I think it was a big step for me to start off this new journey with a love song right and now I was talking to someone the other day and just sort of the progression within their music and from album to album it almost feels like a new start because with every album they've grown as an artist and sort of become more comfortable with who they are as an artist. And now when you think back to releasing your debut song, Good Guy, to now, like, does this almost feel like a fresh start because of how much you've been able to grow as an artist over the past three or four years since that release? It does. And it feels like a huge milestone for me because, you know, as I've told you, I've I've always just nannied and I moved here with no money. So being able to afford to put out music, I was only putting out like a song every six months. And so that's not enough songs to capture an audience and keep them with you and take them on a journey that they deserve. Um, so I think this is the first time I'm going to be putting out like a lot of music within a short amount of time and just really give people an opportunity to see 
what Morgan Johnston is about. So yeah, I think it's a huge, a huge fresh start for me. And what was that process like? Because we're going to be seeing a EP or uh, an album, a seven song album from you this fall. And so going into the process, what was it like building that and creating a story for the first time within your music? Yeah, so the songs I've had, uh, most of them, uh, the only one that I wrote and added on last minute is the single that comes out in July and it's called After Me. That was the one I was like, I love this so much. We need to change everything and add it right now. Um, but other than that, I have been sitting on songs for years. I have written hundreds and hundreds of songs, songs that I'm proud of too. Like some of them, I'm like, oh, those, that's bad. But I have some that I'm proud of at this point because I've been writing for so long. So uh, my producer, Noah Needleman, basically said to me, he was like, do you just want to go in on this project together and, and see what we can do? And he was such a big reason that this has all come together. I mean, I didn't think at all that this was going to happen for me this year. And so to see it all come together is so exciting. And um, yeah, I just can't wait for everyone to hear the songs. And with Noah, I saw that this is the first time you're working with him. So I was going to ask about that process as an independent artist and trying to find a producer that you work well with, that you can continue to work with as you progress as an artist. Now with Noah, is he someone that you were able to connect with sort of in a natural way rather than it being forced and just being someone who's there who can produce music at the time? Noah is like the most natural relationship I have in Nashville. So when I visited here for the first time, he was playing for Brett Young at the time. Well, he actually still does. Um, I think his role is a little bit different now, but um, he was best friends with him and playing guitar for him a lot. They would do some music together. And I met him on that first trip. And then when I moved to Nashville, I reached out to the very few people that I did meet on that trip and was just like, Hey, any advice, any, you know, anything like that. And he has been doing music for years. I mean, he was in LA doing music. So he was a huge mentor for me. Um, he would, he sent me like an email, um, with kind of all these like 101 on how to co-write that I still have to this day. And sometimes he would just throw me some bones of advice that I would like write down on a piece of paper and like keep. And so fast forward five years, um, I think he was like, okay, I think she's figured it out, you know, cause he was obviously light years ahead of me at the time. Like we were not ready to work together at that point. And uh, I think he was like, I can see where she's going a little bit now. Let's try to do it together. And so it's like the most natural Uh, relationship ever and he has been a huge part of the sound coming together so it's it's been so cool and so what does that mean to be working with someone like that from your other studio experiences that you've had in the past does that sort of change the music because of how comfortable you are within the studio totally I mean and I was really lucky the last producer that I had was amazing too um he was very busy but he was just so good and then it's it's a different experience per producer that you go to but Noah has been because we're so close just so easy and I love the way that he records vocals and his sound whenever you work with someone you adapt or adopt sorry some of their musical tendencies and sounds too. And so it was so cool to kind of get his ear 
on something that I was doing because I think it helped develop a sound for me. And that was something I always felt like I was lacking. Um, but yeah, he lives like 10 minutes down the road for me. So I would go over there. He'd make me a cup of coffee. I would hang out with his dogs. We'd sit on the couch and talk life and then we'd do music. And it's just like, how do you not love that? How do you not enjoy it? That's awesome. And so how exciting is it to finally have music that'll be coming out on a regular basis? I think you're going to be releasing a new single every six weeks throughout the next couple of months. I'm so excited and I'm so nervous and my head is spinning, but I'm like, I, I can't, I can't even express how like excited that I feel about having all of these, this whole project out and to show people kind of what I've been working on. And so are we going to see most of the songs from the album before it comes out or are there going to be sort of three or four songs and then three or four songs people haven't heard once the album is released? There's going to be three songs that people haven't heard once the album comes out. So that is going to be fun. Um, But yeah, you'll hear four singles before the release of the album and then you'll have three extra fun ones to listen to. Okay. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about when you released your debut single, it was on the radio and I saw you mention that you had driven to Kentucky and you were sitting in a Waffle House parking lot listening to the song. Now, I was wondering, did you drive there because you knew that was going to be on the radio and you made a special trip just to hear it? Yes, we made a special trip. We like woke up really early, a couple good friends of mine, and we drove. Kentucky's not that far, but it's probably an hour. And we sat in the Waffle House parking lot and it was before the sun even came up and we listened to it and I bawled my eyes out after. Um, And it was just a really fun, cute experience. That's amazing. And how important are those experiences of just like doing something that might seem crazy? Like, oh, you're going to drive all the way there to hear yourself on the radio. But I mean, how important are those moments within this career just to enjoy it? They're so important. I mean, if you think about it, our life is really just accumulation of all these little days added up together and anything that I can do to make things fun like that's the whole point. Like if I'm not going to have fun and do silly things like that, you know, what's the point? So, um, yeah, I'm always adventuring around and I would drive an hour again to hear myself on the radio. (laughs) That's amazing. And so do we have a title for the album? We do. It's called there's no going back. It's a line from one of the singles and it's also just a double play on like, I'm here. I'm not turning around now. Thank you so much once again for listening and thank you to Morgan for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new single, The End, wherever you stream your music and keep an eye out for her debut album. Please also be sure to visit our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests and also receive exclusive content like a very special acoustic performance from Morgan. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow and maybe even leave us a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.